What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Marvel Pair Up, your Disney Plus and film history show where we take every MCU Disney Plus series and pair it up with the genre that it's being influenced by, whether that is Hawkeye and Christmas movies or Moon Knight and Identity Crisis themed movies or WandaVision and sitcoms. This time it is Miss Marvel and the coming of age teen comedy through the decades from the 50s all the way to whatever we're calling now, the 10s. People don't like when I say the aughts, but that's what the aughts were. And now we're in the 10s and y'all can <laughs> suck a lemon if you don't like it. Um, right, we're back in be, the 20s now, I don't know. It'll be good for your iron if you're a pirate <laughs> fighting scurvy. Uh, as always, I am your host, Blake Schultz, and with me is Jamie Giraffe. Hello. And Terrence Tatum. Hello, everyone. And we are here for the, what I thought was awesome, incredible, marvelous, dare I say, Miss Marvel <laughs> finale, where we got uh, a great resolution to the show and all these little Marvel people who just want to eat up what's coming next. You've got your little tease at the end. <laughs> We're setting up some stuff. You, you don't know where it's all going. Well, we know where it's going now. <laughs> it had everything. I just keep feeling these Sam Raimi vibes in it. She stops a car with her powers. And I was like, it's like the webs of Spider-Man. I love it so much. Whenever we do it, I'm just a dumb, stupid sucker for it. Um, what did you guys think? Uh, this was my second. I, I look, I love this series. It's my, it has loud launched into my second favorite uh, series of these Marvel series so far. Um, I still like the episode before the best, but this is, I think, one of the best landings, final episodes that these series have had. Um, even as much as I love WandaVision, I have a lot of issues with that finale for WandaVision, whereas I feel like this is probably the most pitch-perfect uh, finale I think they've had. I love how this opens with her whole family sort of finding out and knowing, although they already sort of found out because speaker phones, which is, which is great. Uh, but I, I love the small reveals where it's like, cool, we're still going to tell this story for Kamala, but we're going to give you a, a few moments here or there. I, as a person who is the 90s kid, hearing that those X-Men chords made me lose my shit. Um, I'm on, I was on an airplane when I watched this and I was like, wait, what? I had to shake the person next to me like, what the fuck's wrong with you, sir? It's like, it's, it'll be okay. Um, and then obviously getting the, the post-credit sequence to, to sort of bleed us into the the uh, the Marvels was, was, was great as well. But I think my favorite part of this entire episode was the uh, gifting of her outfit um, from her mom. Like that just, that hit me in the throat, started welting up a little bit. I was like, oh crap, Jesus. Uh, yeah, so that was really well done. It's one of the few times where I know we always, we never really get to see how folks, except for Iron Man, we never really get to see how folks get their outfits that kind of just given to them and whatnot. This one meant a lot. And I and I know in the Marvels, I've seen some background stuff where she's wearing a different version. I do hope she comes back to this outfit because it has more, much way more sentimental value. But yeah, that part was the, the cherry on the top for me for this entire series. Yeah, I, I loved it. Um, I will admit, I probably I will still rank it number four of the Disney Plus series. Um, I plan to do a, a full one sitting binge on Tuesday. I'll have a better idea. Um, I still, but like, You're I a Christmas loved girl, it. So I know Hawkeye's I'm a Christmas movie. girl. And yeah. like, and I'm just and desperately, Loki's my favorite man in the MCU. So WandaVision, Loki, and Hawkeye are so 
high up there for me, but like, I also deeply, deeply loved this show um, and, uh, and everything about it. But this finale, I especially loved the family stuff. The fact that the family were instantly supportive and not only the mom with the costume, but the dad kind of sharing about her name it was just all so beautiful. It's the other part and, of the cabin, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I just, I just, we don't, have, we've never really seen that like a whole family like this before. And, and it really hit me hard watching the family watch her fight. That was like, it really added a layer of like, of, you know, they're supporting her, but they're scared. And mm-hmm. and, I, and, it, and it changed that whole dynamic of, of what that fight was. Um, in terms of mutants, fuck yeah. Um, I think that people <laughs> who are upset that she's not an inhuman, it's like, I, I don't care. They're like, they're the same. Inhumans and mutants the are like, humans had their chance <laughs> in the ABC pilot and you didn't watch it. There and literally is a word now. difference. They're literally yeah, that's it. Same. And Doctor Strange we all reconfirmed that they exist. Them. Yeah. The Inhumans <laughs> no longer matter. But but Doctor Strange already confirmed that the Inhumans exist in the multiverse. So who Correct. cares? Like it's not yeah. like they're saying that they don't exist. I'm just like so over this whole canon bullshit. Whatever. Like like when he said mutation, of course I lost my mind. It's like so exciting, and I can't wait for Comic Con uh, next weekend to find out what's coming like like everyone needs to just chill the fuck out but um, i loved the finale so much and i um i i I can't wait to see her back and i'm also like i wanted a brie cameo and and i thought it was perfect i love that we haven't seen the meat yet they're saving that i like that it was quick it didn't she didn't steal the show it was a fun little thing i thought it was the perfect way to to bring her in um i just uh i just loved it I wonder if it's just going to be a scene from the Marvels. That's what I was That's wondering. Gonna, I, think it, I think that is because it would be very weird and jarring to just start Captain Marvel 2 in Kamala's bedroom. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, it would just be like, hope you watched it. Well they're, right, um, well, they're already doing a pretty wild job of saying, you better watch these shows. If not, F you. We're not doing anything. And you know, it's uh, I, I, I could talk about this episode and this show and the state of the MCU, specifically television shows for quite some time. Uh, but I overall loved it. Second favorite, I thought we stuck the landing. I did feel that there were some threads from the first two episodes that we sort of just kind of let go. And I think this gets back to what I've been saying of like, we're kind of sanitized in the MCU. Like the the bully just comes around and is an ally now. And the the guy who we all thought was going to be the new ducky is just on the page with everybody. And I was like, there wasn't really a lot of like interpersonal conflict. We just sort of like dropped a lot of that stuff to fight the cops. Um, and I think one of the main things I want to talk about is I see a lot of like, who was the villain? I'm like, well, this was a show that had a lot of villains mm-hmm. because it started out just being like, the villain is the parents. So I want to rebel against the parents. And then the villain was the clandestines and this other world and that. And this is the cops. This, the villain is, there's a much bigger, a friend of mine at dinner today when I landed it said this, where he was like, you know, a lot of people don't like or can't fully grasp when they're the villain in something they're watching and he's like i wonder if it's hard to reconcile or that they don't fully see what the show is trying to do and going like one we're setting up mutants who are always on the hunt there were always cops they're always subjugated they're always been discriminated against in the comics we're dealing with a a person a woman of color who is 
discriminated against and fighting against things and we're dealing with somebody with superpowers and we have an infrastructure that's going get in the school no matter what and get the kids with the powers we got to figure this out and that's a that rings very true to today mm-hmm. and i'm like i i think they kind of did something more complicated than we're really giving them credit for by both sort of being like does this woman from damage control know about mutants and is trying to figure out Kamala? It's it's interesting because she does a throwaway line when she's talking to the cop at the very beginning where she, it, it can either be racist versus her ethnic background or racist towards her being a mutant. But either way, it is something where she's like basically calls them, she uses almost a term like you people in reference to People to like this get right. powers is what yeah, she says. Yeah, and it's a very, and he looks at her like, wait, what? And it's, He calls it out. But if we aren't now that we do know that she's a mutant, we don't know which one of those she's either way, it's intolerable and hatred, but it's could go either way. Yeah, and I think we then sort of had a very good like Magneto Charles Xavier parallel by then giving uh Cameron abilities and him just kind of going ballistic going with it. Yeah. And I, I think that showed a very good dichotomy in the struggle that we're gonna see with mutants and with Kamala and with this show and where the MCU even goes from here. I think we've sort of talked about the state of it a lot. And this is the phase of grief and the phase of moving on and the phase of seeing our old heroes ride off in the sunset and new heroes come up. But this is also sort of becoming the phase of like conversations from civil war coming back up of like, well, what do we do with all of these unchecked people and it's getting even more complicated and there isn't anybody doing anything with it and it's actually the perfect time for mutants to show up and kind of re-spark this like well the people we trusted are gone right and so now what uh and i really liked that and i really liked the the stuff with the parents and getting her name and learning miss marvel and the 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 suit that we talked about but i i just there was a part of me that was like people i don't think are really paying attention to this finale and all of kind of the like for everything we sort of tossed out that i was like man i really wanted a scene where he just went full ducky and was like i liked you and i thought this was more and for every piece that we didn't do that was more like teen rom-com we did a lot of like stuff that we I don't think we've done that really kind of mm-hmm. challenged the shows. But something else that's interesting to think about that I cannot take full credit for, I saw a TikTok about like why all these shows, because I've said it on our podcast, I'm like, all of it's, I'm starting to see the math. We have these two episodes that are very character focused, a third mm-hmm. episode where we present the main villain or conflict, a fourth kind of who knows episode. Then it always feels like we wrap up the story in five and we do the climax, which I was like, you know, Miss Marvel as a show was done in episode five. If the main conflict was this, the gen and this other dimension, we were done with it. This is the epilogue. Correct. And this TikTok brought up this great point of like all of these shows were either in production, being edited or being written all at once. And that's why you have these stories suddenly of like, people watching WandaVision on the set of Miss Marvel and Sam Raimi being like, yeah, I didn't even see the finale for Miss Marvel for, for WandaVision. Cause like we had to start rolling cameras and 
I, I wonder how much of that is A, they were trying to kind of do a lot at once, and B is like, one day we're just going to figure out what the plan was before COVID. One day somebody's, someone, some leak yeah. or somebody's just going to come up and go, look, guys, I get it. Phase four, some people like it, some people don't, but you got to like, here's, here's what we were doing. And then, oops. I, I think that's what a lot of people are going to have to realize. Like, I know people have had their hater love with phase four. They've been saying the word mid has been passed around a lot for phase four. And I think- Yeah, we got to toss that word out. Like, people yeah, have to on. understand that one, we don't live in a-, a fantastic or awful type of world but two you have to you have to give a little bit of leeway for phase four this occurred during the pandemic most of the writing and directing for the majority of these shows happened during the pandemic and some show like falcon and winter soldier was deeply affected by this like a lot of these shows had to completely change their structure how they were plotting how they were doing anything and they had to kind of move on the fly um and marvel's good at that marvel is really good at moving on the fly and most of the time you don't get, you don't notice the threads, but this might be one of those times where considering how much volume has been coming at one time, that some of those threads are kind of like sticking out a little bit more than they normally would. And it is even also a weird thing. Like we had to get Disney plus off the ground. They were going to crank 10 of these things out just right. to be like, there's content on the app, um, which like, you know, I'm overall enjoying it. I don't have any complaints. I just think there's a lot of context around those conversations. But man, I'll tell you, my last my last note on this finale, my absolute favorite scene was, uh, I wish I could remember his name, but he's also in No Way Home and he's part of Damage Control. When he figures out what happens and he just gets on that phone, he's like, don't talk, listen. Please. You went in without word, yeah. pack your things and go. You know what happens next. We pick you up you're done and i was like yeah. oh good we have a good person in damage control. I would, that was dope i would like to shout out that he just got an emmy nomination for succession uh yes. watch succession yeah right yeah that was i was like i was glad that that character came back just for like funsies and then when he had that scene i was like bring him back for everything that was yeah because now you give that, I, give that guy some more stuff to do <laughs> well what i do love is that, that gives you the good and the bad within damage control so that that can lead as, as you said it's an epilogue but it's also sort of the starting point for when we get to this this mutant kind stuff you're going to have people that are in police force or at fbi who are on both sides of, of that that line um which is gonna be fun to watch considering oh yeah really, I, we're gonna get right I, <laughs> especially if one secret invasion comes i was like i think mm -hmm. this universe like say your mid comments now because right now we're just kind of having a good time it is about to get bonkers i think secret is invasion about, is what i'm most excited about yeah all the things same. that we know about because next week we better get that scarlet witch solo movie announcement but for <laughs> in the meantime secret evasion is what i'm most oh excited yeah about. i i think secret invasion everyone's like what are we building to and i'm like y'all there's a show called secret invasion <laughs> it's right there it says it <laughs> like you think nick fury's not going to come back from space and be like this is fine <laughs> that dude's gonna come back and i we we're not gonna let him swear but if we could he would just be like what the f is going on <laughs> he's gonna get on the phone with some powerful people and be like get your shit together yeah and then we're gonna get mutants and then we're gonna get kang and we're gonna get bff and it's all we're gonna have our big dumb fun avengers 5 you just gotta let this thing cook for a while 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but I love it. I thought it was a very good finale. I was a little bummed out about some the, the fun things I thought we were going to do, but we did what we always do with the Marvel shows, which is at the end we go, hey, it was fun playing genre for a while, but this is a superhero but show. Marvel. <laughs> like that. And that's yeah. fine. We did the same. I was my same complaint with WandaVision, where I was like, what a creative, innovative, fascinating show. And then we just threw multicolored balls at each other. For <laughs> and look, we also had a great conversation with the ship of Theseus, and that's my shit. But then we also just shot head lasers at each other. And I was like, <laughs> I get it. I got it. Like, it's fine. I know what I'm here for. I also want the dumb lasers. I want yeah. both of it. I wanted all the intimate moments of Spider-Man No Way Home. I also wanted the Green Goblin to scream, can the Spider-Man come out and play? <laughs> I do want my cake, and then I would like to eat it. Uh, but that is not all we're here to talk about. We also need to close this long, long history lesson with the 2010s. Oh, the 2010s. What a time. <laughs> the 2010s, I actually, looking back, I often said, and I'll skip 10 and 11 because who cares? I was finishing film school and nothing mattered. Uh, but 2012, I often say, changed from what I was taught in school, which was basically like trilogies are great. And if you're going to make a TV show, have two or three seasons. And then 2012 was like, listen, if you're not doing some Avengers type shit, get out of my face. Yeah, We don't want trilogies anymore. We want universes. And if you're not <laughs> doing some House of Cards stuff and proving that streaming stuff can happen, Kevin Spacey's problematicness aside, that show did that and Arrested Development, and there's one other, there was another Netflix original right before that that nobody ever talks about, but it happened. The thing that nobody thought was going to happen happened, and Netflix originals exploded. While that was happening, Game of Thrones was getting into gear. I think we were a year away from the Red Wedding, maybe. That was, fandom erupted in the 2010s. That was really when I started being like, Oh, Hot Topic used to be where I would get band t-shirts and chokers, and now it is Iron Man and Rick and Morty. Yeah, like and Orange is Cersei. the New Black. Orange is the New Black blew the hell up on Netflix. Yeah, the mid and, yeah. and and between Tumblr and Twitter and these, these middle of the internet days, everybody was wearing their fandom like a personality, and you were all about it, and it it altered everything. The dark universe was going to come out. The DC universe was going to be amazing. The Transformers was going to cross over with G.I. Joe and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Hasbro was going to have a toy (laughs) universe. All of these things that never were and never will be, hopefully, in some cases. (laughs) Um, Tom Cruise, The Mummy, notwithstanding. But in that, we saw a resurgence in the teen rom-coms. And as we have talked about many, many times, where the 80s changed how we did movies because everything was accessible and the 90s allowed more teen movies because there were your Tarantinos and your risk takers making giant movies and film was going to home video and you could make all of these movies and get closer and the 2000s was parodies, the 2010s was the, 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 the dawn, the streaming wars had become immortalized and completed in 2020 with Peacock and HBO Max and Paramount Plus. The prophecy has come true and we will all give dollars a month to the studios and box office numbers will no longer matter (laughs) because they'll just keep going. 
Um, and in that, we got the same thing we sort of got in the 90s. Suddenly, Netflix could take risks on smaller genres. Their algorithm and formulas allowed them to go, this wouldn't do great at a theater, but these 13 to 17-year-olds are going to eat it up, and they're the people that we need to keep subscribing. So pump in the kissing booth. All the boys I loved before, these big giant movies that exploded and changed the game, but something else also started in the 2010s, and that was the decree and the cry for inclusion and diversity in storytelling. And therefore, we have three specific movies to talk about. We have Booksmart, we have Love, Simon, and we have Plan B, and that's all the talking I can do straight. Somebody take- <laughs> well, I'm tired. I've been on a plane all day. I've been up for 13 hours, y'all. You know, <laughs> there there were some options for teen movies in the 2010s. I mean, we've got Haley Seinfeld in the Edge of Seventeen. We've got all these Netflix movies, um, but I I wanted to focus on these three because they're very queer and um, still pretty. Well, Love Simon and Booksmart are still pretty white, um, but Plan B we finally have some some leads uh, that aren't just white. Uh, but um, but something that we never saw before were were queer characters and queer leads i mean when like we talked about bring it on last episode and you know um one of the cheerleader guys does kind of get to be gay you know they 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 make it clear that he's gay and he gets a little flirtation with a guy at the end and it is positive but like you're not getting kissing you're not getting that experience and uh and booksmart is one of my favorite movies of the last 10 years i deeply love book smart i think it's so smart and so well written and just the the scene where you know we've got this awkward lesbian teen who just has no experience and then all of a sudden she's in the bathroom with like one of the hottest girls in school like and, and with the most awkward uh encounter but then later like it still works out and it's cute and um there's just so there's so much of book smart that's rich and then love simon is uh, you know i'm not a big fan of like you know coming out stories i think that they're kind of uh overdone um but in terms of like love time i think was one of the first and best like coming of age coming out dramas it's one of the few dramas you know on our list um uh, that you know it sparked a television show i I have not watched the show but it it was powerful enough that like we're still telling that story of that universe and then plan b is what i wanted to pick because it is very similar to book smart they have very similar jokes and themes yeah. yeah um but I think that it's an important one to discuss now. One, because we do have queer characters. We have leads who are not just white. And the importance of what we're talking about right now in the world, um, where you know we're losing access to abortion and these rights. And this whole movie is about these two teenagers who are just trying to get a morning after pill. And it's very hard to, for them to acquire one. And, uh, and, and I think like the, and a man, the message of that, yeah. Early in the movie, a man mm-hmm. stops them blatantly yeah. from getting one when you could go the other way uh yeah, yeah. so i, I that um but there are other like uh you know you brought up kissing booth into all the boys and uh to i love to all the boys i think they're charming i think peter kavinsky is one of the best teen rom-com leads <laughs> in years um but uh but yeah i think we're, we're in a nice resurgence and a lot of that is because of streaming but I, i'm glad i got to see book smart on the big screen because i had the, an amazing time I also saw Booksmart and the screening is also one of my favorite films in the last like decade. Uh, it It's funny because you said that like they're all white, but I do think it's important to know that like for Booksmart, it's two women. So that is still, that is still a different than what is typical. Um, 
And Left Simon does have there's a pretty eclectic the supporting class. Supporting cast, the main for sure. Wire, but there's the supporting sure. class pretty much African-American. So it's, it's, a, it's a bit of mix in there. So I think that's why these, these all sort of stand out why, because I do think they uh, allow, all three of these movies allow for the sort of the similar stories that we've had back in the day. Like the, the blueprints is still there. Like Booksmart is for what it is, a by the books, we romantic, romantic slash coming of age comedy where we know the friends are going to get into an argument at some point in time they're going to go to a party that's the, the end game they're going to get angry at a party and they're going to be friends again but separate their lives that but they get to tell that story now through the eyes of women who are also queer or one of them it's like so that's all that's very important and gets a, a new representation on life for these coming of age stories which i think which is why while they may not be making the money because nothing is outside of the superhero movies they are now giving a voice to people who did not feel like they had a voice before, which I think is very important. Uh, Love, Simon's the same way. I watched Plan B today, and it very much is like another Booksmart. It's like books, if Booksmart and Blockers had a, a baby, that's what, that's what Plan B. Or didn't what, have a baby. Or did not have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's what Plan B would, would, would be. I uh, I love road stories, anything like horror going with kind of getting individual. for two ethnicities that might uh who just would normally not be given the ability to have that sexual liberty and that story being told because both of those folks uh come from a background that kind of hide that and I love I love those movies and how they sort of end with both parents sort of just taking them in and like dad takes his girl back in and just loves her it's like hey I don't care where you were I don't care what was happening you're back now that's all I cared about and just his note of saying dope pin to her as he walked away I was like oh that's she was so afraid of coming out and, and not telling her parents because he's super religious he was like that's cold that's a dope pin and just walked away and then same way with the other daughter um mom she was so freaked out and mom just like just come to me like just let's just have this combo and like they talk it out she's like I need this and she's like cool let's go get it like that's that's those are the she felt very that, much like Kamala's mom in terms of like she's afraid of how she's going to react, but in the end, she's still your mom, they've and she's all been there on your side. Yeah, but like kids, you don't. Your parents are like these gods, these icons. You don't think of them as the same person as you are, and then all of a sudden, they're like, "I've I've been in the exact same, and I wish my parent had done what I'm doing for you now." So let's go and get this. You don't. We never need to have this bridge between us again. Just tell me what's going on, and we'll get through it together. No, I completely agree. I think um, you're right. I think the, the big thing whenever we do more Licks in a new location. And <laughs> yes, us, there we go. Having, I was like, I, I, saw, I, saw, I saw it that time. I caught Terrence was drinking that bottle longer than he would normally <laughs> drink that bottle. Uh, <laughs> no, I was like, you know, whenever with all these movies have the, the similar theme that we're talking about of inclusion and diversity. And I think it's interesting that when we get to things like uh, Booksmart is the best example where so many people, and they're not wrong, of being like, oh, it's super bad with from a different point of view but that different point of view makes it original again and i think that's uh again come on now come back i only need a little bit more wi-fi how 
that's kind of how Black Panther was for, for a lot of us. That's where Black Panther was like that for, for my folks. Like, yeah, we've seen this origin story in some vein or before. And the same way with Ms. Marvel right now. Like, yes, this superhero thing with this has been done. But it feels so new and so different and so fresh coming from an eye and an audience now. There's an entire, I'll say this all the time, there's an entire audience who saw Black Panther in the theater who had never seen any of the other Marvel films before that. That was their first time, and then they they stuck on from that point. They saw Infinity War, they saw Endgame, and they were like, "Well, I'm in it now. Like, let's let's do this." It's the same way that's going to happen for for Miss Marvel. There's a group of people who probably never watched this before because they're like, "I have nothing to connect to with this. I, there's nothing that brings me into this." Now they do, and now they're kind of like, "All right, well, I'm on board. Where's she going to be at next, Miss The Marvels? I'm there. Call, call, count me in from this point on uh, for life." And that's sort of that's the good thing because uh, you want these shows and these movies to start being inclusive and start bring, bringing more people in together where no one at the end of the day starts begins to feel like that out that outsider or that outlier oh yeah and i was like you know they're all just so good love simon was just a delight it really is uh and I, I want her to be my mom i know I really, there was... yes I, I i really wish disney plus uh had their parental thing together before Love Victor was released because Love Victor is good. It's really good. I just wish it wasn't on only on available on Hulu. And now they've put it in a place like because Grownish is now on Disney Plus, and that audience, those audiences are the same. Like as far as like the TV fourteen, like so, there's no reason Love Victor should be kind of isolated on an island by itself to Hulu. It should be on Disney Plus as well. That started on Fox, right? Love Victor. La Victor was originally petitioned to be a Disney Plus show, and then somewhere ah, during the, the middle, it was like we're going to put this on Hulu. It might be a little too adult for us or Disney Plus. And then somewhere in the last year, Disney Plus was like, "Hey, we got way too much stuff. We should probably just go ahead and put a a, 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 a toggle hey, where we can yeah, make I this think adult." It's time to just bring it all over. Yeah, let's just <laughs> if if we can have <laughs> Jessica Jones and Luke Cage fucking on Disney Plus, I think we can have a couple teenage boys flirting with each other. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I say just yeah. bring it all over, put up whatever bear, like just do it. I'm tired of him that yeah. Hulu and that Disney Plus button on my Roku remote. I want one button, Roku. Uh, <laughs> Give me one yeah, button. That's all I need. And I, you know, I think this is the easiest one to connect to Miss Marvel because. It, it is showing us a very, uh, we've talked about this entire decade of genres to go up with this show. And it's what this show keeps doing differently. What we all keep loving the most about it is showing us a different point of view in the world. And I think that doubles up with this finale when people are like, I'm confused. Who's the bad guy? And it's like, oh, I don't know. The people with guns in the high school shooting children, that might be the bad <laughs> yeah. guy. I don't, you know, I don't have a list of evil, but if I did, that one would be pretty up on there. Don't do that. That's <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it's so frustrating when you see like people, like you know, typically white men. Uh, sorry, Blake. Sorry that those are your people. No, um, we're the worst. That, uh, <laughs> that are like, <laughs> that are like, that are like, I don't like this thing because I can't relate to it. So I'm gonna review bomb it because it's not about me. And it's like, okay, first of all, if you can't see yourself in Ms. Marvel, like I I'm sorry for you because you are a fan of things. Like you love Marvel, that should be enough to to get to make you to relate to her on some other level. But also, I just watched. Um, uh, some of the uh, Fran Leibowitz, Martin Scorsese 
documentary show on Netflix and it's really good. I really recommend it. And Fran Lubitz was asked about that, about like seeing yourself in stories that you're reading. And I, I wish I had the exact quote, but she was like, that has never occurred to me in my life. Like what I'm reading. And it's like, I, I want to be represented in this. She's like, if anything, I want to learn about other things. And, uh, and it was just like, she was like, why is that even a conversation we're having that <laughs> right. like that we need to be represented in something? And it's like, and it's just the fact that people are so salty about it that they're going to go online and like purposely fuck up scores and stuff is like, it's just pathetic and it's, gross. And, and I think the majority of us are all positive and loving this stuff. Um, and like, fuck those people, I guess. But uh, I, I, I do recommend anything that friendly voice says because it's, yeah. Always, yeah. It is that it's know. that very true thing of like, you know, the uh, Twitter's not real. Like it's just, yeah. it's just a mm-hmm. bunch of, people screaming into the ether because they're pissed off that the world doesn't look the way they want it to look yeah and they're wrong and they're dumb and they're stupid and i i don't know i just like that's all i got to say on it the show is great it's like i think it's still the highest rotten tomato scored one um so like you know whatever numbers numbers are numbers i don't care how many people are streaming it i don't think that matters to disney either because we're gonna keep giving them our 6.99 a month no matter what happens right they don't care They're the uh, i do i do want to make a note because i just looked it up and noticed it yesterday season three of love victor dropped on disney plus and thus oh. the other two seasons previously are now have also been added to disney plus so as of yesterday cool. all three seasons of love victor the final season including that aired yesterday are now on all on disney plus i need to watch that show um, yeah. and that it's makes me happy good. to know that it's now on disney plus i'm glad that you looked that up yeah, I mean, I think that I, I think that wraps this one up, guys. I mean, that's the the rise and fall and return of the teen comedy genre. So it basically, you know, if you want a quick synopsis, in the you know in the late '40s, somebody went, "Those kids have money, and we should label them," <laughs> and we did. We called them teenagers, and then Warner Brothers said, "We have a script that'll speak to them and change the game for ever with that." and and in the 60s, we refined it. And in the 70s, we did different variants of it. And then John Hughes showed up and he did his thing for 10 or 20 years. And <laughs> then we slapped an R rating on it. Then it died. And then we gave it diversity. And that's how the teen <laughs> comedy went. There's a lesson there. Uh, yeah. Before we close off, I want to know of the things, all the things you guys watched for this podcast that you hadn't seen before, what is your favorite? Hmm. The ones that I did not had not seen before. Ooh, does something uh, stick out? Does anything stick out? I mean, most of these sadly I've seen. Not sadly, oh, yeah. most of these most <laughs> of these I've seen already, so I kind of knew them all. Um, I mean, Beach Party is probably the Beach one that Party, I haven't like, seen. That's like, Beach Party is the maybe. biggest what mind fuck that I had. Yeah, I'm I excited say, to watch all of those Beach Party yeah, movies. So. I'm going to go down that rabbit hole. That's easily the most just like, I hadn't seen it and what the hell. But uh, yeah, I mean, um, you know, it, it was a very weird thing while Terrence and I both think of our real answer to, to I want to say this. I had a lot more fun going back to the older stuff and I think a part of me was like, oh, yeah, I've seen American Pie and Mean Girls so many a times, a million times. Right. But I, I, I had way more fun doing while I, like. While I had seen it before, I didn't really recall it. Rebel Without a Call stuck with me way more mm-hmm. than I, because I, yeah, I really had no 
justification to go watch that until this happened and i was like oh this is a really well done flick and made me kind of like ah james dean jesus you were yeah man you could have been a one of the ones like the <laughs> greatest things that we've had yeah and i mean and everybody in that cast i mean that's who elvis presley yeah. wanted to be that's yeah what he built his mm -hmm. whole career around I, uh, I think for me, my answer is the wood. I did not expect to deeply love that movie. And I know I you. Did. And I know you didn't because we we've been busy. But make sure you go watch Dope because I think you'll. I think yeah, you'll, uh, you'll it's. Love it. I'm definitely going to definitely. Now I will say what's funny is I think Rebel Without a Cause and Beach Party stuck out the most to me. But I think my favorite thing to talk about was the late '90s and the boom. I think like those are the movies I had seen the most, but just like really diving into why the nineties was such a different period of filmmaking was it, it, it still kind of amazes me when you're like, there was this weird decade where like we hadn't quite cracked superhero movies. The tent poles were things like independence day and like Tarantino and these other experimental filmmakers and Von Trier were just doing whatever they wanted like 90s was fascinating for me in that we had all of these coming of age comedies like she's all that and clueless and send things up but for me also i had all of the coming of age uh black films like boys in the hood minister society like so i had had both of them sort of coming in at the same time and i could kind of relate a little bit into like, this is just a wild, this is a fucking wild time for me. Did we lose Blake again? There he is. No, I'm, ba I'm back. Yes. I'm back. I'm, I'm awake, back I now. promise. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think the, the one last Well, this one's been I've... fun. It's such a, just such a good genre. I did. Yeah, you know, it's a good genre that has a rich history. And I did like that at the end, they were just like, hey, whatever we're going to say about these mutations, it's just another label. And I was like, this is great. This is yeah. just great. Uh, yeah, this has been good. I guess next will be She-Hulk and... Which oh, we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who knows? And then what's going to be really interesting is actually post-She-Hulk is when we won, well, Comic-Cons in a week. But then we're out of this truncated production all at once like we're yeah so it'll be interesting to see what's next for marvel's tv because we're out they will have like learned from all of this like there will be i don't know other twists and turns and like weirder stuff and it'll be cool i'm in I'm a sucker. <laughs> but you can keep following the show, leave us a review. You can follow us with Hollywood ADI, where we have our other podcast. Hollywood already did it for reboots, remakes, and sequels whenever they come out. Now that the summer season's pretty much done, Nope's going to come out in a week here. And then uh, I, think, I think I'm at least, then we're kind of forever in Halloween, round out the end of the year. And then I'm kind of done. <laughs> yeah. That's 2022, I guess. <laughs> Although I'm excited for all three of the movies that I mentioned, especially Nope. Uh, so we do that. And then Jamie's, of course, on phase zero at comicbook.com. And Terrence is on our YouTube channel with his trailer reactions, show reviews, and everything else. And 
I'm at, as always, Blake. Terrence is at Terrence Tatum and Jamie's at Jamie Cinematics. And we will uh, see everybody in August. Is that She-Hulk Yeah, August. Time? Yeah. All right. Great. Later. Bye.